everybody. Welcome back to the Empty Opinions Podcast. I'm your host, Hilario Polanco. This is episode 175, and it is yet another solo episode. And actually, that's kind of what the new format of this podcast is going to be now that I'm here at the beginning stages of this episode in the intro part of the podcast. I'm going to be kind of talking about my ideas for what I want the podcast to become in the coming weeks. You know, there's going to be some changes coming to the way I do the podcast. For one, I think the official episodes for the podcast, like the numbered episodes, I think will become the solo episodes, or at least until maybe I get a co-host. But for now, it's going to be solo episodes, and that's going to be the reliable episode that you get every Sunday noon. That's right. I'm changing the time that these podcasts come out sooner rather than later. Instead of it being, you know, Monday night, Monday midnight is going to be Sunday in the afternoon, because I guess that might be a better time for people to watch it. Because what are you doing on a Sunday? You're not doing shit on a Sunday. You know what I mean? I feel like that's actually a pretty good time for somebody to maybe consume a podcast or something. Uh, And I like the idea of it not being like at midnight. You know what I mean? I don't know why they used to. Why I don't remember, but I think I'm going to change this podcast, like the numbered episodes of the podcast to Sundays at midday, (laughs) midday, Sundays at noon is the way you say that if you knew how to speak English. Um, and so, yeah, that's going to be the, one of the few changes is going to be a new intro, which I already crafted. I got in the lab and I crafted the perfect theme music for this podcast and I can't wait to unveil it. And just to hype it up a little bit even more, this intro theme is so fucking good, at least to me. And if I break it down, includes so many elements of shit that I like into a theme song that I've been listening to it. It's only, it's a short amount of time. I'm not even going to say for how long it is, but just the audio of it that I crafted, I've listened to it 400 times. Again, it's short, but that's how much I love it. And so I'm very excited to incorporate it into the new phase of the podcast that i'll be going through but since the numbered episodes so the official episodes that are going to come out of the podcast every sunday at noon those are going to be solo episodes or at least you know more uh uh, structured in a way where you you know what to expect every time you come to watch these podcasts so that's what's going to be that but i'm going to be also doing bonus episodes where i will have guests on a podcast and those are going to be less structured so it's either going to be a conversation with guests it might just be a random off topic kind of thing that i just want to delve into just any extra shit that is not structured at all those are going to be the bonus episodes because i I guess i just want some sort of stability with the podcast where like people know what to expect every time they listen to it every sunday noon um, but for this, for the guest ones, or I guess the, the bonus ones, I could do whatever the fuck I want. It could be like my own little playground where I could have guests. It could just be me. It could be even no video. It could just be me putting 30 minutes of therapy talk. You know what I mean? In the podcast feed, uh, all that shit is going to be what's going to be happening with the bonus episodes of the podcast. So that's where you're going to see the guests, but the official episodes are officially moving forward. Just me, just solo episodes where I'm talking about pop culture topics, you know, giving updates, just something more sustainable. You know what I mean? I just like the idea of me doing it that way and probably following the same structure I've been doing with these episodes for the past, like six months or so, or I don't know, the past couple of solo episodes have been following a certain structure. Have you picked up on it that I think I want to keep going with 
you know, as I keep doing these episodes. So that was just, I guess, the one of the many few changes that I'm going to be doing to the podcast. Again, new intro, new time, new new day that the episodes come out. Um, and also there's going to be more than one episode of the podcast that we hopefully moving forward with either guests or just anything else. You, just extra bonus content, you know, that helps you get accustomed to the typical episodes, but also gives you more, you know? It's a win-win situation for everybody, including myself. Um, yeah, so I think those are all the changes that I can think of off the top of my head that are going to be coming. I can't wait to really um, delve deep into a lot of the stuff I want to do with the podcast. And I'm just going to say this without actually going into it. You know, one thing that you guys should know about me is that anytime I go through sort of like a heartbreak or like something sad in my life, I turn to the podcast and try to do something new and different with it. Just a little hint. <laughs> so you make your own conclusions as to what's happening with the podcast now. But all right. And before we actually get started with the podcast, I want to just say emptyopinions.com. That's a hub where you can find everything happening in the Empty Opinions universe. You can see all the episodes of the Empty Opinions podcast, whether video or audio. You know, our book club that D and I have going. You can see the episodes there, video and audio. You can see the blog. I recently made a blog post. Finally, you know what I mean? Uh, I fucking finally made a blog post where I was talking about the initial reactions to Kendrick Lamar's album. I wrote a quick little piece on that. So you can find the empty blog there. You can check out what's happening with the empty playlist. My playlist that I update every Saturday. Just basically everything happening in the Empty Opinions universe. And it is a lot. You can go check out there. So, yeah mdopinions.com don't forget to check it out and see what's going on over there but all right the first official topic i want to get into is kind of a broad topic but it has some pretty popular examples that i'm going to delve into so i can further explain my point and there's and it's the idea of a lot of creatives nowadays or more recently kind of over promising and under delivering i think this is something that's been happening a lot with artists where they pump up their chest and be like my shit is the greatest shit on earth. And then the shit comes out and it's not bad, but it's not as good as they hyped it up to be. And so people take it as bad. You know, it, it's, it's kind of wild how often that's been happening. I don't know how you can fix that or why exactly this is happening more so now. And I understand the feel, I understand the need to hype up something you've been working on for a long time, right? Because you're just like, you know, I'm going to pump. I guess I listen, I, I, I understand the feeling of pumping your own chest. You know what I mean? Like there's certain mornings where I just wake up and look at the mirror and be like, I'm the greatest fucking podcaster and content creator on the world. Right. And my shit is the best shit ever. However, one thing that I have been noticing is that when you say that out loud, you know, to a bunch of people that are looking for you to fail, it puts a target on your back. And okay, here's the examples that I have lined up that are pretty obvious at this point and that I've talked to, but I think I decided to make it a larger topic because it's become a pattern, like a pretty strong pattern. And for me, I started to recognize this when Drake's Certified Lover Boy came out. Talk about hyped albums. Drake's Certified Lover Boy was an album that he was hyping up for more than a year. He had even put out a trailer for it. You know what I mean? Like, People were fully expecting Certified Lover Boy to be the best album that Drake would would have ever put out. It turned out to be just another Drake album, right? Which and and I, 
yes, it turned out to be just another Drake album, which is not bad. I don't think Drake necessarily makes bad music. He may have some really mediocre songs, but he also alternatively has some incredible songs. And that's how I felt about Certified Lover Boy. Uh, there was a couple songs that were like, okay, you know, take it or leave it. But there were some other songs that I loved. But because of how much Drake was hyping up Certified Lover Boy, along with his little weird beef that he had with Kanye, who had just dropped Donda, and who was actively looking for Donda and Certified Lover Boy to be compared to each other, um, you know, people compared it and decided that Certified Lover Boy was kind of trash compared to Donda. And to this day, I still haven't listened to Donda. I I've heard it's pretty good, but it's pretty long, and it's, like, not explicit with, like, cursors being bleeped out. That's just something I don't want to, you know, subjugate myself to. But Certified Lover Boy was not a bad album. To this day, I stand by my, my review of it, which is, it's not bad. But because of the hype and because of the way that it was being presented as against Kanye's album. And because it was a safe Drake record, let's be honest, it was. It was a couple of songs that he kind of tried to be experimental with that I guess didn't go well with a lot of the fans that he had. But it was a good album. But again, people were expecting something else. And Drake hyped it up to be something way more than it was. So that's example number one. Then we get to Roddy Rich. Which is probably the biggest example of this. Because if you think about it, right? Like, breakout album, breakout single, The Box, please excuse me for being antisocial. Like, those two things came out of nowhere. The, the song and the album. And people loved them, right? And then, Roddy Rich decided to take, what? Two years? To drop his next album? Which already, for a new artist, is a very long time. Like, you have to be in an exclusive kind of place. To not drop any fucking music for two years and then decide to drop your album with like less than a month of anticipation, you know, and expect people to love it. And also there was just so many little things throughout, like Roddy Rich saying, yo, this album's going to be great. Him having like studio rules that there can't be any mid. And so as a fan, you see all that shit and you just think, oh, well, naturally this album's going to be amazing. Even now to the way that he rolled it out, where it was just like very, you know, I'm going to take two years off, not drop anything, and then drop my album, and you're going to love it. At least that's the intention that it feels like it's sending. You know what I mean? Like, I felt like that was a message that Roddy Rich wanted to send is like, I'm not going to play y'all games because my shit is so good. I don't got to play y'all games. But turned out that he's not that good that he can't play, that he shouldn't play the games. Turns out you kind of do have to still play it. And also, you can't hype your shit up if you're not 1,000% confident that your album is amazing and that it has no mid in it. And unfortunately, it was a pretty mid album, but again, it's not bad. It's the over-promising and the under-delivering that causes the issues. That's what I keep noticing over and over again is these artists shooting themselves in the foot with the shit that they're doing. Like, you don't have to say that this is going to be the greatest album of all time. You know what I mean? Like, you can just say it's going to be fine. You can, you don't even got to say... Actually, you don't even got to say it's fine. You got to say nothing. You don't got to do what Tyler, the creator, did for... uh, What was it? Was it for Wolf? Where he just went on interviews and just said that this is the worst album of all time. You don't got to go that extreme. But you also don't got to say this is going to be the best album ever. You can just say nothing. And just continue with your rollout. And then just put it out. 
right? But no, these artists are getting cocky. And then what happens when you get cocky and you don't have shit to back it up is that people just clown you for it and call your shit ass, right? Like the next example, Jack Harlow, perfect example of this. Jack Harlow was talking crazy at the beginning of this year. You know what I mean? He's saying like, you know, he's the best rapper from his generation. This album is going to change everything. Y'all going to put me in this conversation. Oh, look, I have a song with Drake. How great am I? Like, and look, I'm, I have the number one song in the country. So obviously my shit is going to be amazing. And then the album dropped. And because of how much Jack Harlow was being pushed in everybody's faces, like the name Jack Harlow, the song First Class, you know, everything that the machine was doing to push Jack Harlow, along with... Jack Harlow saying that this next album is going to change everything, which is just kind of, why would you say that? Again, these artists are shitting themselves in the foot for no reason. Why do you have to say that you're the best rapper of your generation? I don't even know who's, who is in Jack Harlow's generation. I have no idea. Corday, I think Corday, but you know, Jack Harlow's makes better music than Corday, but it's not as good of a rapper as Corday. Whatever. I don't want to go down the rabbit hole, but. That's why people are saying the Jack Harlow album is ass and it's the worst thing they've ever heard and this shit is fucking bad and it's awful. It's not a bad album. It's not. It's not a bad album. But compared to the expectations and the way that Jack Harlow is being pushed, everybody's going to feel like it's bad with those expectations. I went into listening to the Jack Harlow album with as little expectation as possible. Actually, my expectation was Jack Harlow's last album. Which, if you compare it to that, it's, like, about the same. Like, because even the last album was kind of underwhelmed by it. Especially because I loved the album before that. Before he really blew up. Like, a lot of, like... I like a lot of the older Jack Harlow music before he released What's Popping. Like, pre-What's Popping Jack Harlow, I think, is way better than post-What's Popping Jack Harlow. But regardless, that's kind of the way that I had the expectations that I had in mind as I went into listen to Jack Carlo's album. And that's why I was just like, oh yeah, it's good. It's a good album. It's good. You know, when your voice gets that high pitch, it's good. You know, it's like where it, <laughs> it's like inoffensive. That's how it felt. But again, people's expectations for it were insane. And so that's a problem. And now my last example of this, of artists overpromising and under delivering. Let me fix that in my notes. Under delivering is Unfortunately, Atlanta, we got to talk about, we got to, I, I got to talk about Atlanta because Atlanta is such an interesting thing where obviously they were gone for what, two, three years. What was it? 2018 or 2019? I think it was 2018. I don't remember when, I think it was 2018 when the, when season two came out. And I mean, people were raving about that season. People loved Atlanta at that time. And so this longest time goes by and then Donald Glover is saying that <sighs> I don't even remember exactly what Donald Glover was saying, but I can't remember the exact quotes that he had, but he has some insane quotes. It's like, <laughs> like every time they would ask Donald Glover about this season or this show, they'll be like, yeah, better compare this shit to the wire or Sopranos. You know, that's the only thing my shit is comparable to. My shit is fucking incredible. Like, Donald Glover was talking reckless. And when you overpromise like that, you gotta know what you're doing. Like, 
I don't understand why Donald Glover did that specifically because let me just take the the optimistic view of this season, which is Donald Glover and company just fucking with audience expectations and just subverting everything and not giving anybody nothing that they want, <laughs> right? <laughs> just giving them absolutely nothing that they asked for. I'm, it's like almost like an artistic temper tantrum where he's like, no, y'all going to be watching the shit that I want to make. Fuck your expectations. I know y'all been waiting for a long time. I don't care. You're going to be watching my experimental black and white episode called Rich Wigger, Poor Wigger. You know what I mean? That's what you're going to do. And so if let's just assume that that was on purpose, that Donald Glover specifically did that because he wanted to, you know, he, he wanted to just make something that just for himself, maybe he was bored. Maybe he wasn't. Maybe he just wanted to make something to make himself creatively fulfilled. If that's the case, and you know that you're not servicing the audience whatsoever, I think that's fine. But why would you hype up the season like this? Why would you hype it up like this if you know you're not going to give anybody nothing that they want? Like, I don't understand that. Like, just either stay shut or just maybe give a, you know, explain to the audience, like, just so you guys know, this season is going to be completely different than anything I've ever done. I wanted to experiment and I wanted to have fun with it and I wanted to entertain myself. So fair warning. But no, he just did the opposite. He made them believe that he was going to give them what they've already wanted, but like a hundred times better. And so that's why you're getting this reactions. And even me, like I kind of gave up like six episodes into the season. I was just like, ah. like I can see the artistry in this show, but I was just like, there's just, it's, you know, it's nothing I want to watch. And I can't believe he didn't think, I wonder if he did think that or he didn't. He must have known that he was doing something that was going to turn away fans. There's no way he didn't know that, or maybe he didn't. He just got so blinded by his own creative expression that he just completely forgot. But it's, it's a shame to see what happened with Atlanta. I don't even know if I want to watch season four. Maybe I will. If season four goes back to what one and two was, and it would make sense because season three is them going to Europe and abandoning everything that, that was in Atlanta. And maybe that was the point of it. It's like they're leaving Atlanta and so they're exploring all these wild ideas only for season four to be even stronger and give audiences what they want, you know, combined with the new ideas they introduced. That could be it. I could definitely see season four kind of putting a nice button that makes the whole season make sense. But until then, it's a shame to see how many people lost interest in Atlanta. And in a way, it almost feels like Atlanta is like a show of its time where like it was trapped in 2019 and the world has changed so much that now people are like, what is this? You know, like they just kind of moved on from that type of vibe that Atlanta was offering. And it's a shame, but all four of those examples are just my ways of explaining that never or most likely, listen, the only way I'll over promise something is if I'm 100% confident in the thing that I did. That's the only way I'm going to do that. You know what I mean? So that's all I got to say for, <laughs> for all these creatives and anybody who plans on talking their shit. That's the thing. That's why I'm scared of talking my shit because when you talk your shit, 
you best deliver. Because if you don't, you put yourself, you put, you put a target on your back that people will be quick to attack if you don't provide what they want. All right, moving on. The next topic that I want to talk about is the subliminal ways in which Kendrick Lamar and J. Cole are dissing each other. What? Yes. <laughs> That's kind of like a almost, you know, clickbaity way to introduce this topic. But in a way, I, I do believe it. I don't think it's clickbaity. And I'll explain why. You, you guys remember when J. Cole went to play basketball in Africa? Yeah, I remember that. I remember that he signed on to this league and apparently he made it, but then he got cut. Uh, that was pretty fun. That was kind of like a fun way to do a rollout for his mixtape, the off season. Um, and I remember a lot of people talking about it because that's kind of, it's just a cool way to do a rollout, right? Right. And so Kendrick Lamar's new album just recently came out. And guess what Kendrick Lamar is doing? He's playing soccer in Ghana. AKA Africa for the people that don't know any country names in Africa. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's really interesting to see Kendrick doing that. And you know, I like to read into shit and I like to create beefs where there are none. So I would say this is definitely a diss to J Cole being like, Oh, I can do your Africa rollout too, bro. And instead of basketball, I'm going to do soccer. I'm going to do football because football is more authentic to the African experience to the rest of the world's experience. Honestly, you know, anybody, but the U S loves football, but I just, I just wanted to do, I mean, there's really nothing else to say. There's no deep dive. There's, you know, there's no fucking, uh, uh like in-depth conversation to say there, but I just found that funny. Like the, I don't believe in coincidences, especially with people who are as cerebral as J Cole and Kendrick. So you're telling me that, 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 that there's nothing to the fact that even after Kendrick went to, you know, Ghana to play soccer, that J. Cole then started to play basketball again? Like, I just saw the news story that J. Cole is going to play basketball in Canada. You tell me that has nothing to do with what Kendrick did because of what he did? I don't know. There's some weird fucking overweight. Listen, Trust me, I feel like I, I don't know these people. I don't know these artists, but I know they're very cerebral and they overthink everything and they're very detail oriented. And that's something I can relate to. And so whenever I see certain things, I get into my head and I would think if I was a rapper, how would I diss other rappers in a way that the public wouldn't notice, but that that person would notice? And I would do exactly what Kendrick did. I would fucking go to Ghana and play soccer and be like, you over here playing basketball, bro. That's so American. I'm the real shit. This is the real shit that is happening over here in Ghana, in Africa. It's football, not basketball. <laughs> and then if I was like a rapper responding to what Kendrick did, I'll be like, okay, fuck it. You can have Africa. You know what I mean? I'm just going to go to another continent. I'm going to go to another country. This time where basketball is known mainly because of Drake. Whoa. Y'all not peeping this. Donna seeing the fucking quadruple entendres that are happening between these fucking rappers dissing each other via sports in foreign places. <laughs> the reason why J. Cole went to play basketball in Canada was to evoke the idea of Drake and how much he loves basketball. And it's almost like a double diss to Kendrick. Like, oh, you're going to copy what I did? Well, I'm going to do what I originally did. I'm going to do it in the place of birth. Of the guy that you're actively beefing with. That's right. They're beefing. Check out my video right here. 
I think that's where it is, or right here, wherever it is, uh, of me explaining why Kendrick and Drake are going to beef soon. But regardless, these two rappers are beefing with each other secretly, and nobody's noticing it. <laughs> they hate each other. <laughs> Yo, Kendrick, Drake, and J. Cole can keep this facade up all they want, but they fucking hate each other. But that's another conversation. All right, the next topic I want to talk about is something I literally just read before starting recording this podcast. Is that apparently ABC wants Chris Rock to host the Oscars again? Is that not a crazy proposition? Like, I don't know. I can see it two ways. You know, there's two ways to look at this. One way is from, I think, Chris Rock's perspective, which is, why would I go back to the place that I got slapped at and got embarrassed in front of the entire fucking world to host it, right? Which Chris Rock has done already. It's not like he hasn't done it already, and he got a bunch of controversy. Matter of fact, the reason, a big reason possibly for why Will Smith slapped Chris Rock was because Chris Rock made a joke about Jada Pinkett Smith in 2016 of hosting the Oscars. So it's possible that the first time that he hosted the Oscars is the reason why he got so humiliated at the Oscars this year. So why the fuck, if I'm Chris Rock, would I go back to the place that all that shit happened? That's traumatic. You know what I mean? That's like me going back to my neighborhood apartment where I ran through the gate when my dad made me drive the car. <laughs> my dad made me back out the car out of the garage. And then I accidentally, instead of turning, I just kept going forward and ran through the fucking gate of the parking lot. Why would I go back to that? My point is, that's a deeply traumatizing experience. Nobody would want to go back to the point of trauma. I'm sure that was very traumatic for Chris Rock to get slapped in one of the biggest stages in the world. One of the biggest award shows. But here's the perspective. Here's the other perspective from like ABC. It could be like, hey, Chris, you're going to be the host. We need somebody to acknowledge what happened last year at the Oscars. We just need it. Because every time there's a controversy, the very next year, whatever the award show is, needs to fucking break down the controversy and be like, hey, it wasn't what happened last year. Very crazy, huh? That was insane. Anyways. They need to do that for obvious reasons. So I guess ABC just wants somebody to acknowledge how crazy that was. And I guess what better way to do that than with the person that was very involved in the scenario. I mean, these award shows are so predictable. I can already predict what kind of jokes are going to make if Chris Rock does decide to come back. Or even if he doesn't, you know, how they're going to address this. Like, it's going to be the hoes being like, is Will Smith here? Like, there's probably going to be a segment them looking, making sure that Will Smith is not nowhere to be found. Like, it's, it's going to be bullshit like that. You know what I mean? Like, very obvious jokes. Uh, so maybe that's why they want to get Chris Rock, to get somebody who can make actual good jokes. But, and maybe ABC is just like, Chris, please host the Oscars the next year and eviscerate everybody in anything and make your craziest jokes you know towards anybody please i think that's that's probably the way the abc wants to like i i don't know like show gratitude or like apologize to chris rock like next year come back and make every single offensive joke you can think of towards any single celebrity 
and I'm sure they're going to have security. Why don't they have security at, at a place like that? I don't understand that. That feels like so cocky to believe that nothing could happen just because they're all celebrities. I mean, shit happens. That should be, you know, security. But anyways, I don't know what Chris Rock would do. Like, what would I do if I was Chris Rock? I think I would go back to it to just kind of matter of fact, I actually, I can already see it. Like if Chris Rock does decide to come back to ABC to the Oscars next year, it's going to be like a 10 minute segment of him making fun of Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith. I can already see it. I, I, I could totally see it. And then there's going to be probably somebody that goes to slap Chris Rock and they're going to stop it. And it's going to, you know, I, I could see it. They want to address this shit so bad. They did that when, they give the Oscars to, they give the Best Picture award to La La Land instead of Moonlight. That, I remember that. Like, the next year was, like, all about acknowledging, oh, this crazy thing happened, isn't it? Right, guys? That was pretty nuts. So, like, I could see it. I could see them doing that. So, I don't know what's eventually going to happen with that. I, don't, I, I guess I don't really give a fuck either way. Uh, but... It'll be fun to see. I, and I bet you a lot of people are going to tune into the Oscars next year for sure. Just to see them address it. You know, even for that alone, I think people are going to do that. And I can't wait to watch it too because that's the one thing that, you know, I haven't been using Twitter. But next year's Oscars, I will definitely be live tweeting. That's the only event that I, I could see myself ever live tweeting again because it was fun. And I love interacting with people who love movies. It's great. All right. And the last pop culture topic that I want to talk about is obviously, and it's over now. I'm always late to these type of topics because I just simply do not give a fuck. I don't understand why there's so much talk about this Amber Heard and Johnny Depp drama and like this trial that's happening. I guess it's a big deal because it's two big celebrities, you know, fighting in front of the entire world. I guess I could see that, but it's just like, this is weird tribalism that's happening where it's like, are you team Amber Heard or are you team Johnny Depp? What? They're celebrities. I don't give a fuck either way. Like, I really don't. And it, this is a bigger topic, too, because, you know, there's an idea of, like, apparently Johnny Depp sexually abusing Amber Heard. But then there's a lot of evidence that Amber Heard was, like, abusing or being toxic towards Johnny Depp. And so there's, like, a lot of the alpha type of males that, that are just, like, you know... This is a win for us guys. They're exposing how women are terrible. And then women are just like. But Amber Heard got sexually abused and nobody's talking about it. You know, me too. And this shit. I think either side is like they're both. I don't even know. I don't. That's how little I give a fuck about it. I don't. I can. I don't even get. I don't even give enough of a fuck to fence it. Like, I don't even care to sit on the fence in this situation. I just simply don't care. And I don't even care about both. You know, it's like, I don't know. Sexual abuse is bad. So Amber Heard, or I'm sorry, Johnny Depp should be held accountable for that. But also, I don't know. Being toxic is bad. I don't. Are they equally bad? I don't know. I, like, I don't know. It's just one of these weird topics that so many people want to talk about and are so invested in that I just can't seem to care about because anything with a celebrity, I guess I'm just immediately disinterested, like immediately. And in this case, from what I could tell from obje like objectively, from what I could tell, it was just like a very toxic relationship. <laughs> I know a lot of people that have been in toxic relationships. This is nothing new, you know, but I guess it is new to put it in a trial for everybody to see and, you know, Johnny Depp is known and Amber Heard is known and 
I don't know, man. I couldn't give less of a fuck about it. They're both wrong. They both did bad things. I don't know why that's so crazy or why people feel the need to pick a side. This is not fucking Super Smash Brothers. Like, <laughs> like, what are we doing? This is not like a, a boxing ring, you know? It's it's just nasty overall, and, like, I don't care about it, you know? I don't care. Look, I, I care about the things that happen between these two people, like, in general. Like, I care that people get sexually abused. Hopefully that's bad, and people should suffer consequences. I don't like toxicity, so whenever there's... Somebody being toxic to another or being mentally abusive or whatever you want to say. That's also bad. But these are like multi-millionaires having a domestic dispute in front of the entire world in a trial that's being recorded. If that doesn't tell you that this shit shouldn't matter to you, I don't know what else will. Because it's like they want you to care about it, you know? Or they're treating it like this is fucking the case of the century, you know? Like, this is getting the attention that Roe versus that Roe v. Wade should have been getting. One was televised and one wasn't. Guess which? The, here's a hint. The common sense answer is now what's right here. So, you know, it's just shit like that that further cements my hate for celebrity culture. Like, who cares? You know? Nobody should care about this fucking Amber Heard and Johnny Depp shit. It's just... A domestic dispute. It's just two people that were in a toxic relationship being toxic to each other afterwards. And the amount of YouTube videos that I get recommended, dog, of like Johnny Depp's lawyer, you know, exposing Amber Heard. What? What? What the fuck are we doing? Why is there montages of the lawyer for Johnny Depp interrogating Amber Heard? Why? Why do you care that much that you're making mon montages, right? It's insane. It's really insane that people care that much. That they're like trying to dunk on Amber Heard. That part is also one part that bothers me because I could see both sides to a certain extent, but the amount of hate the Amber Heard is getting, it's just kind of a way for incel-ish, alpha male-ish type people to get a win. You know, they see one thing, they're seeing that Amber Heard did certain things, like Amber Heard claimed certain things, but she didn't actually do those things. And so there's hypocrisy in there, and, and apparently she's the bad guy. Whatever it is, they're just happy that there was a bad woman in the news, and so now they're going ham. And the montages and clips of Johnny Depp laughing, and people are like, oh, this is savage. Fuck out of here, that shit is annoying. Why do you care so much about celebrity, like a celebrity couple arguing in live television in the trial? I can't think of anything I could care about less. All right, but yeah, this is going to be it for all the pop culture topics that I wanted to talk about. Now I want to move on to my empty pick of the week. I haven't known one of these in a while because the past couple of episodes have been with guests. But now that these are going to be the official episodes that come out every Sunday noon, um, I'm going to be able to have my empty pick every week. And my empty pick for this week is going to be Gerard Carmichael's latest movie. It is called On the Count of Three. Gerard Carmichael kind of having a, a big year for himself. You know what I mean? With him hosting SNL, coming out of the closet in his own special, which is also very good. You know what I mean? Like there was like confluence of things that came together that kind of allowed this movie to come out because I feel like this movie was this movie was in the festival circuits like in 2021. Like, I think this was the Sundance movie from 2021. So 
it's been like a year and a half of this of me being interested in the movie because it sounded pretty cool just waiting for it to be released at some point but i guess it was smart of whoever bought the the rights to this movie to release it at the time they did they probably knew that gerard was gearing himself to have a big year and so you know it's all about momentum baby so it's all about you know oh he's dropping this and he's doing this okay we'll drop the movie then it would have the ultimate exposure but this movie is basically about you know, these two friends that decide that they're going to kill themselves by the end of the day. And so they have this adventure for this last day that they have together. And it's kind of like a, a very, 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 it's a pitch black comedy. First of all, it's also supposed to be kind of like a thriller. And I've seen plenty of those two types of movies, but I don't think I've ever seen a movie quite like this one. And it's not like I loved it like entirely or like it's my favorite movie of the year, but it's so unique that it like I loved how much it stood out from other movies that I've seen it. Listen, I'm a thriller, pitch black comedy expert. You know, I, those are my probably two favorite genres of movies. So the fact that this movie was able to do something I'd never seen before in terms of those two genres speaks volumes of how cool it is or how creative it is. You know, there's certain moments that, you know, I get kind of uncomfortable with, you know, where I was just like, ah, okay, they would have to say that. And certain parts where like they were funny, but it didn't hit as much as I would want it to be. Like it wasn't as funny as I wish it was. It was a lot of funny moments and it's meant to be a comedy. Uh, but there's certain moments that just didn't hit. But, and also the way it kind of ended, I was just like, okay, that's a fine ending. It wasn't like a mind blowing ending. Or was it? And also, one more thing I loved about the movie was just how beautiful it looked. Like I remember as the movie was going, it felt like if it, it felt like it was Gerard Carmichael's first movie. Like it felt kind of amateurish in the first half, but then the second half looked fucking amazing. Like I was like, wow, this looks so fucking beautiful. Like he really does have an eye for directing, on top of being funny and being a great writer so yeah that's gonna be my empty pick of the week is gonna be Gerard carmichael's latest pitch black comedy slash thriller on the count of three. Whew, all right that was a hell of a ride you know there's certain episodes of the podcast that i do where i simply do not have the energy to do but i just kind of push myself and do it this was one of those episodes i don't know why i just didn't really have the energy to do it but i just said fuck it just push forward and do it and I did it, and I'm proud. I talked about everything I wanted to talk about. Didn't cut any segments. Pushed myself to the limit mentally. It's all about what you can do mentally. But yeah, that's going to be it for this episode. This has been episode 175 of the Empty Opinions of... Of the Empty Opinions of the Empty Opinions of, of the Empty Opinions podcast. Thank you guys so much for watching this. I've been your host, Alari Polanco. And the way I'm going to end this episode is the way that I end every single episode. And it's by playing an outro song. The song that I'm going to play for this week is going to be kind of a weird left turn. But I just, this is kind of the vibe I've been in in the past couple of weeks. You know, it's going to be a new song from Foreigner. The song is called Waiting for a Girl Like You. I actually heard this song from Joe Budden's new Amp show. If anybody caught that, this was one of the songs that he played. And I was just like, damn. This is the second Foreigner song that I love. So I'm going to have to check out more Foreigner because he's one of those like, hair metal or whatever i don't fucking know like those those like rock ballady kind of guys from the 80s so that's the song i'm going to be playing waiting for a girl like you by foreigner thank you guys so much for watching and listening to this episode and i'll catch you guys next week
动